0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Before we get started with this week's edition of Bench with Bubba, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com is one of the coolest new ways to play fantasy sports. You, You... Get to draft against you know three, five, ten man competitions. There's new drafts starting every five minutes. Your chances of winning on draft are over 80 percent better than on salary cap sites. That's why you need to try draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than one million people have already downloaded draft. You can play in real life NBA, NFL. They have NHL. PGA is a great one. They have MLB. They have them on. It keeps getting better, better, and better. Drafts usually finish in under five minutes. You get paid the next day. The event finishes, and they're filling fast. Every second drafts are filling. They have them up until your games begin. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. And you have to use the promo code SD Sports, all one word, SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money draft for free by using the promo code SD Sports. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering a money back guarantee up to a hundred dollars. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with promo code SD Sports. Void or prohibited. Must be eighteen or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within fourteen days. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Benched with Bubba, episode 66. Talking some more fantasy baseball tonight. And in order to do so, joined by a special guest. You can find uh, some of his work over at Fantasy Alarm. He's on Twitter at GJewitt9. Greg, how are we doing? I'm all right. How are you, Brian? Good, good. Um, glad we got we, we made this work. It's been a fun couple days trying to make it happen. But we, we got it in, and uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about here We'll kick it off with, um, well, first let me just ask you, what are you working on these days?
2: Um, uh, as we were just talking off the air, I'm, I'm wrapping up doing uh, 45 player capsules for Rotographs. Uh, Paul Spore gave me a shot, uh, to do some of those to cut my teeth and hopefully that can lead to more things. Uh, and I've been doing a player profile series with uh, Howard Bender on fantasy alarm. And that also included, uh, breaking down the uh, Brewers uh, moves the other day and, uh, to kind of let me get back to my roots, like when I first started with FanRag, just kind of, I like doing player profiles. I like digging into the numbers and uh, being able to break down that trade brought back. It's uh, been a couple years since I got to do something like that, so it was fun.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it, it was good stuff. And let's get right into it. Uh, the Brewers, as everybody knows, got two new outfielders, Kristen Yellick and Lorenzo Kane. Uh, both should enjoy their new ballparks, to say the least. Uh, Let's start with Christian Yellick. What kind of fantasy impact can we expect? Because he already was very productive in Miami, but this is a whole new world, basically, in Milwaukee.
2: It is. And, you know, there's been a lot of uh, action on Twitter with people disagreeing as far as if there can be a power spike and what the overall effect on his uh, fantasy outlook will be. And it's it's interesting because, you know what, I don't know that there's necessarily going to be a huge power spike. But I think just accidentally by being in that ballpark, you're going to see his home runs uh, trend upward just a little. I, I, you know, I'm not going to say Christian is going to hit 30 home runs this year. But what I am looking at is his career splits. When you look at a home and road, this is what caught my interest when I was doing that article. You know, and, th- and in a career, you're talking about uh, 1,187 home at-bats and 1,291 road at-bats. At home in Miami, he hit 278. With a 363 OBP and a 396 slugging away from Miami, 301, 374, 465. 41 of his career home runs are on the road. So, you know, it's not going to say that, hey, you know, he's going to change his swing and he's going to adapt to the park. I um, mean, he was, I heard an interview with him on uh, Fancy Alarm today, and he doesn't anticipate really changing much. He even said he's interested in running more. Um, so I think what's going to happen is you see that those home runs creep back to the levels before last year in that 22 range. But I think being in Miller Park, I think it can go up to 25. Um, and if he swipes 20 or more bags, that, that makes him more interesting. Where I think it could have an impact most is on the RBIs. Because if he ends up hitting first or second, the RBI number is going to drop down. As opposed to driving in uh, Giancarlo
1: Stan and Dee Gordon. True, true, and uh, I, I think one of the, the good, the major impacts I see is uh, the stolen base numbers. We know council loves to run, and that's mm-hmm. one thing they do a ton in Milwaukee. And obviously, like you mentioned, the ballpark shift and all that good stuff. I see a 2020 guy with potential for 25, 25. What are you thinking?
2: Yeah, uh, the 25-25 number was what I was thinking I was going to quote and uh, Bowden even said that to him on the air and just said, well, I'll see what I can do but it was kind of funny uh, he, he was very uh, humble and a, a nice kid to listen to in an interview so it was, uh, it was fun so I definitely think 25-25 is within the realm um, I think you can see the runs repeat at 100 I, I'd be more willing to bet on 100 runs than 81 RBIs this year I don't know how you feel about that one
1: Yeah, I'd probably see 100 runs because they're they're expecting him more towards the top of the orders. Like you said, he's not going to have those pieces to drive in with the Stantons of the world and everything. So, yeah, I could definitely see him being more of a run producer, uh, table setter for the bronze and thames of the worlds and everything. Mm -hmm. So definitely with you there. Um, The other piece of the puzzle they picked up, they uh, signed Lorenzo Kane out of Kansas City and a play center field, possibly table set with Yellick for the big boys. Um, he is older, obviously, than yellow, but still has some good years in. him. Mean, we're only worried about this year. So what are you thinking about his fantasy value? Uh,
2: I think at any time we we're talking with Lorenzo Kane, it's just a matter of health. You know, how many how many games he's going to give us. I mean, you know, his huge season with the 101 runs and 16 home runs and 28 uh, stolen bases was monstrous a couple of years ago. Uh, then he befell the injuries. And then last year he had that nice bounce back, huge second half. Um, I remember I traded for him in the league down a stretch and he really helped one of my team uh, chase down some key categories. So uh, he's another guy that's going to benefit. You know, Kaufman's not a great ballpark for offensive categories, king uh, going home. And I think, you know, the five-year deal kind of drove it home for him. And the same thing, it's, it's, we're, we're really curious to see what Craig council going to do. You know, what's he doing with that lineup uh, when he's, when he's at, you know, can you imagine being Craig council sitting at the bar, and you see those two trades coming across the screen. You know, you're grabbing a napkin and you're going to start toying with stuff. So, is he right in Kane Yelich Braun? Is he right in Yelich, <laughs> Yelich Kane Braun <laughs> Santana? You know what? Is it going to be a fluid? So, it, it, a lot of it's going to depend on all of those uh, the same things that affect Yelich. But um, you know, obviously, it's going to put an uptick in the Kane's uh, numbers for this year and his draft position. I think you're going to see a bump soon.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where he puts him because, like you said, that'll make a massive fantasy impact, obviously. But uh, if, you, if you say you slug him in at the fifth spot, well, now he's a run producer in that offense. Mm-hmm. But you put him up top, now he's a table setter. Like you said, it's it's a good luxury for Craig Council to have to be able to put these pieces together and figure everything out. But we know for now, and you said, it is, is he going to stay healthy? How many games am I getting? Because if you get the games from From Kane, he's going to produce more often than not. He's going to hit for average. You know, the power, it's fluctuated, but, you know, ballpark shift's going to be very nice. And and he still can run right now. He's not, you know, he still can put some stolen bases out there. So I think he makes for a much more appealing piece. You know, in recent years, you could get Kane as your third outfielder, sometimes fourth, depending on your league. He wasn't going like crazy high most of the time. I think he's going to get bumped up into the second. Um, when you're looking at uh, not second round, second outfielder tier, when you're looking at um, Yelich and Kane, where do you expect them to go now with these moves?
2: I haven't done a mock since the deals, um, although I told you I was going to dip my toes maybe into the BC water soon. Uh, I think Yelich is going to see a round bump up. I think people are going to be willing to pay the tax, even though there's a lot screaming not to. Um, I think Kane will probably move up by a round or so in ADP as well, but I think people are less hesitant just because of the injuries passed and people might've been burned by that. So people have a long memory in fantasy. So it's, it's always interesting to see some guys you can always get a bargain on just based on some of the
1: factors. That's true. The, uh, the elephant memories that some of these, uh, <laughs> these fantasy owners do have it is so very, very true. Now let's shift over to a couple player profiles you've done recently. And one of them really, really has my attention. I think I've asked the last like four guests I've had about Mr. Ozzie Albies, because there's always the helium, the helium guys in a draft season and Ozzie Albies so far, in my opinion is one of the leaders in that clubhouse right now is, you know, he had a great second half with the team last year. I'm a DFS guy a lot of the time with season long, and he was great value, and not many knew about him then. He produced, now everybody is drooling to take him this year with a full-time job. What are your expectations from Ozzy Albies? What, is, is what everybody's saying reality, basically?
2: Well, it's, it's, it's a dual-edged sword because you don't want to get caught into that helium hype, but then at the same time, do you pass up on somebody – I remember years and years and years ago, I was in a, 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 like, they they had me take over a vacated team in an AL only league. And it was when Mike Trout was just coming off of his rough debut, and he was one of the pieces on that team. And it was like, okay, so do I keep this Trout and take a chance? Or, and, and, you know, and that year it was Ron Chandler was sounding the drum, you know. You can't pay first-round value on Mike Trout because he'll never repeat it and blah, blah, blah. But I kept him anyways, and it worked out. But you get you get deluged with all this information, and I think you just got to trust your gut. Um, I kind of like the kid. I, I like the stolen base upside. Um, and what I like the fact was, if you remember back when Bregman made his debut and he started out like 1 for 20, and then yep. he turned the corner and started to hit, always did the same thing. He started out 8 for 47, hit 170 in his first two weeks in the majors. And then he hit 318, his last 43. Now, obviously, I think 318 is unsustainable. And I think there's always regression and worry about the the sophomore slump. And pitchers are going to get the book, and they're going to work them differently. But there are a couple of factors that do help Albies. His home ballpark, and he's going to be hitting in front of Freddie Freeman. So he's going to see fastballs. So, I, you know, hitting second in that lineup's not as bad as people make it out to be. And I, I think that makes him... You know, We wanted to say he was going to be sneaky, but he's not going to be anymore. And then then the best part, he went 29 for 32 across both levels last year, stealing bases. So Mm -hmm. if you can get a a middle infielder right now that can possibly... I think the biggest pullback might be in the power. I was surprised when Zip said he would still uh, project to 15 home runs. Um, I found that encouraging. Um, I don't know because he's kind of growing into his power. I'd be willing to pay for 12 home runs and 30 stolen bases, and I'm thinking 275 average, but if he hit 285, it wouldn't surprise me.
1: Yeah, that, that's what I'm looking at. I'm, I, I was looking to draft Albies for the steals, you know, decent average, and um, you expect you can kind of maybe sneak a guy like that mid-team rounds or something. That's not <laughs> happening. That's not happening anymore. Yeah, this is the guy is going early, and we're going to talk about his ADP later, but – um, he's going crazy, crazy early and maybe rightfully so. It's just, it's funny. You have the diehard Albie fans already that are like preaching from the rooftops for him. And then you have the kind of not a chance guys. And I'm more old school where it's, I'm going to take my gamble on stuff later in the draft, not early in the draft. And to me, mm-hmm. he's going too early and I wanted pieces of Albies. I don't think I'm going to have pieces of Albies. Um, like I say, he's going around the 10th tenth, p- tenth round now and say, 12, 13 teamers. How high do you think his Helium going to go? Because it continues, it seems, to keep moving. I know you haven't done a lot of mocks. You said just just out of a guess, what, what would you think?
2: Uh, the lab. Well, it's funny because I didn't really target them, but I ended up with them. The, the the two writer mocks I did earlier, just I thought already done, I ended up with Albies in both of them. Um, the second one, I got them at pick one. Wait, I'm trying to think. Uh, crap. I wrote it down somewhere, but I I misplaced it. I believe I got him in the ninth or 10th round in that one, but I needed speed. So it was at a point where I was like, okay, I've got to get some speed in this round. So I said, I'd rather get a guy that I think could get to 30 as opposed to getting somebody that I'm hoping gets to 20. So that, that kind of forced my hand a little bit because where he's going right now, I think you can get a great bargain on Ian Kinsler, especially going to the angels. That's going to run a lot. Um, And and he's a much more proven commodity. So, you know, and he's still going to get runs in that lineup. So, I mean, you know, I I don't think he's a 240 hitter. So, you know, you can definitely make the case to wait and get Kinsler a couple rounds, especially if it ends up being a three, four round difference. I think you can definitely state that case. Uh, I think team need kind of sometimes dictates picks. And sometimes I think folks look a little beyond that. It's like, oh, Jewett went after Albies because he's the, he's the bell of the ball. It was I needed a guy that could get me 30 stolen bases on upside. So it was like I'm going here as opposed to somebody else who might hit 240 later in the draft.
1: And, and that's a very good point you make there is when you're drafting baseball, especially like in a Roto League, even head-to-heads and points, points especially as well, but you're drafting a lot of total team mold like whereas football or whatever you got positions and you're filling these voids and totally different atmosphere and people don't realize that when like you know football Oh, i took the rookie running back yeah you're you're going for the prize possession but when you're going for like an Aussie Albies like you said you're looking for a guy that you need to fill the stolen base void on your team and that's a big difference um so i'm curious to where he's gonna go He's, he's around 150 right now in the NFBC and uh like you said, I love that Kinsler call. He's a guy I've targeted later. You get him at one ninety three mm-hmm. right now. It's like, you get, you get or I like guess Caesar Hernandez is not as good. but You get him almost hundred picks later. So there yep. are ways to work around it. Oh,
0: let's talk works. about
1: an, let's talk about another young middle infielder that had a big second half as well uh, for the Minnesota Twins. We have got Jorge Polanco. Was this? Is this something we can really look forward to this season, or do you just have like a really hot streak? He's going to definitely come back to earth.
2: Um, what I liked best when I when I was researching the uh, the Polanco write up was uh, I didn't catch it as much last year during the season, and I think maybe I, I I missed it. But the the new batting coach on the Twins really has these young guys ears. Um, he talked to Polanco. Polanco was in a really really bad slump, and he was talking to him about being more selective. Uh, Getting pitches that he can hit and do something with. And it was, I I think it was right about the start of August when he started going on the tear after he worked for the coach for about two weeks on changing his whole approach. And that's when he just took off. Um, You know, it's funny because he was like a fringe guy. He kind of was on people's radar a couple of years ago. And then he flamed out and then everyone kind of brushed him aside. And now he's starting to do something. So again, just kind of like Albies, you're getting two sides. It's the. Hey, Polanco's a sleeper. He had double digits in steals and homers last year. I think he can add to it. And then you got the people going, it was fluky. He's the guy he was a couple of years ago. Move on. And and there's nothing to see here. Uh, I'm very interested in him. As a matter of fact, I think, you know, as, as, as I'm doing more and more research, I'm really starting to understand that I've never been a draft pitcher, early guy. You know, I'm one Mm -hmm. of those dinosaurs, and you know Ray Flowers will have his, it'll be on his tombstone that he's not going to pick a pitcher before the round, the ninth round. But if you're going to go in an NFC, NFBC draft, you you can't do that. It's just the the market doesn't allow you to to make that happen. And as you keep going through the layers here, but you're, but it's double-edged sword because you're not going to get all your targets. But you can make a case that there's so many bats that are sinking and sliding in the AB at the ADP that you can make the case and justify how uh, 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 Rick Wolf and Colton uh, um, they took I think it was what Kluber they did Kluber and was it Kluber and Scherzer I can't remember off the top of my head but they went bang bang pitcher pitcher in that in the uh, FSTA draft the 14 teamer uh, and. and so, F- yeah. And at first, and I was just like, "What are they thinking?" And then, as I started going through stuff, I'm like, "Now I get it." Because if you if you don't start with a start like that, or if you don't get one of the big fours, they're calling them this year, you're you're going fishing in rounds three through six to try and find two arms to compete with those guys, um, and, and and you're chasing strikeouts and you're doing other things. So if you can't get like a, a Carrasco Nola Uh, to counter, to counteract what they did at the top of that draft. And you, 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 you miss on one of your early bats, you're scrambling. So, you know, I don't know if I'm willing to pay for Cindergaard this year. Uh, It's, it's a tough one. I loved him last year and he burned me. So I don't know if I can get over the recency bias, but um, as far as Polanco goes, I think he's going to be solid. I'm not going to say, you know, you can't just extrapolate those numbers and say, well, if he gets 500 plate appearances, he's going to do X, Y, and Z, but I do think he can give you 15, 15 with a chance for more.
1: Yeah. And I agree. And that's what I'm I'm looking at him for. And if he, if he stays around that 200 to 210 range, I think there's a lot of upside in that Mm -hmm. pick. And, um, I, I think there's a lot to like there that that twins offense is pretty darn good and people still are kind of sleeping on them I think even though they produced very well last year and they're only to get better they're so young so I think there's a lot to like there with uh, Polanco mm-hmm. in Minnesota uh, to your pitching point I was one of those dinosaurs till I think it was last year <laughs> I hated taking pitching early hated it and the more I've looked at it looked at it there's a bigger and bigger gap and this year like you just said it's a tremendous gap between the top guys and the next rung down and then after that next rung down it's even a farther gap so it's you really need to pick your poison and the more you look at each position as I've done rankings you do rankings everyone looks at their their rankings and everything these positions are very deep this year and a lot of it might be in the eye of the beholder and you know which gamble you want to take but there are a lot of different tiers that can produce upside like Polanco's uh, in most positions that you can play that game. And like you said, I I know I saw Derek Van Riper. He was in a they were doing a mock draft for um, it was to resemble like an FSTA thing for some project. All those writers were doing. And he had the turn in the uh, the, at the 15 spot and he took uh, sale and Kluber back to back. And I'm sitting there looking at it, and then him and Todd Zola started talking about it and it made a ton of sense because you get those two staples. You really, if you don't want to, don't have to take a picture for a long time unless you really want to load up. But um, yep. like after after that, that, that stable of Strasburg, Bumgarner, Severino, Sendergaard, DeGrom, and Carrasco, they're kind of all grouped together there. It drops dramatically. So if you're not getting some of those big boys plus the top four you mentioned, you are in trouble. So agree with you tremendously on that. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about Wear. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The, no other brand can compete with rotoware in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached if you use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DGENS D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. Let's um, take a look uh – Greg does a closers chart. He tweets it out all the time. If you click on it once, it'll save your Google Sheets. So uh, I I recommend doing that. He does the AL and NL charts, It's all the teams, who's closing, who's on deck basically farther down the list. We're going to talk about different ones down the list here in a minute. But one uh, thing you highlighted in one of your player profiles, which I really, really, it opened my eyes to him, was Roberto Azuna of the Toronto Blue Jays. He was just a quiet guy. I think a lot of it's because he's in Toronto. But let us know about what you found on him because the number of comparisons you made were very eye-opening. All
2: right. So here's the deal. Uh, first off, I became a fan of Azuna when he, uh, he admitted he was dealing with anxiety issues. So to me, that was tremendous. You know, I, I, I'm a phys ed teacher. Um, I, I have to deal, I'm dealing with some kids that are dealing with personal issues. And it takes a lot of stones um, and, and it was even in the article that I read it uh, by the one guy because he was like, he goes, you know, the manager said, and you, I think you you should probably recall from last year, there was a game there. That he was supposed to close and he didn't go in. And of course, my timeline got flooded. Like, what the heck's going on? And who's the next closer in Toronto? And I'm like, everyone take a breath. Um, but, you know, and he said he wasn't feeling well today. And, and Asuna could have simply went into the clubhouse and said, you know what? Yeah, I just, you know. I was feeling a little off and I couldn't do it today. And, you know, I, you know, I, I told the manager and I couldn't pitch. He he told the the reporter and, and what blew my mind in his second language that he was dealing with anxiety. You know, he's just like, I just felt, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know if you've seen the, old, the the movie, the replacements, he was almost like um, referring to quick, yeah. the quicksand. You know, and I remember one time I was making my son watch that movie and he's like, wow, you know, he's a hockey player. He goes, that makes a lot of sense because there's just some times where you just are stuck. And, you know, he was, he was, he was far from home. He was in in, in Anaheim and things just kind of hit him. Um, and, and I would think it was probably because he was close to the, close to being to Mexico and maybe his family and maybe things just kind of overwhelmed him. Um, so he came back from that. And, and, you know, I think everybody remembers last year, the 10 blown saves, you know, he had some rough outings he had the rough outing in the WBC to start the year. So that kind of made people teep it right from the beginning. Um, but then, uh, you know, I try and dig through these things. So Craig Kimbrell in 2016, he had a pretty, he didn't have an awful year, but it was not a Craig Kimbrell year. So I went through all of their stuff. I had ERA, FIP, strikeout percentage, walk percentage, whip, swinging strike percentage, and strand rate. Asuna, had a better ERA last year than Kimbrell did in 2016, and now this is the year before. I mean, think of the year Kimbrell had last year. It was arguably one of the – it was obviously a top-two reliever year, and it's one of the best ones I can think of in recent. He he struck out 50% of the hitters he faced. 50%.
1: That's crazy. (laughs) That is ridiculous. Just
2: try and get your head around that because I was tracking at the end of the year and he had to strike out like one guy in his last appearance, and he did it. I'm like, oh, my God, he got it. All right, so 3.38 ARA last year for Osuna, and Kimbrell in 2016, it was 3.4. 1.74 FIP for Osuna last year. That one raises your eyebrows. It was 2.92 yeah. for Kimbrell. Um, I'll, I'll save the strikeout and walk, but I'll do the K-BB minus because that's a stat I love. 29.7 for Osuna last year. It was 24.1 for Kimbrell in 2016. Osuna's never had a whip above one as a major league pitcher. Think about that. We don't think about that. That's pretty crazy. His, his swinging strike percentage last year was 16.8 compared to Kimbrel's 15.1 in 2016, and his strand rate 59.5%. That's horrible for a reliever. Any sort of positive migration, uh, migration there of his of his statistics means his ERA is going to come down. Kimbrel's in, in 2016 was 70.9. So even if he only gets to the Kimbrell number, you're looking at that ERA getting down into the mid twos. And I still think this kid is hopefully finding his prime. And there's not really a huge bargain because he's going about 80 in the uh, NFBC ADP is the fifth reliever, but I still think you can get a top two guy right there. Like, you know, I love Chapman. He's got swagger, but he's never saved 40 games. Uh, I think I'd rather have Asuna, especially at the ADP this year, than Chapman and those guys. I think the case can be made. I think the only one I would take over him would be Jansen, but I'm usually, especially if I did something like with a pitcher in the first couple of rounds, I'm probably not going to go get a closer in the
1: fourth. Yeah, no, and that's why I really wanted to talk about Osuna here because if the way things are looking, we said you're going to have to take starting pitching earlier than you usually would like you're not going to want to waste another early pick on a, a top-end closer as good as they may be. Jansen's the only one, like you said, where I can kind of wrap my head around because his numbers are freakish and they're consistent and they're, ga- they're <laughs> yep. game-changing. Like, as a Giants fan, it pains me to watch him enter a ball game. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, Chapman's got his issues, and, you know, Kimbrell, really, really good. No, no disrespect there, but if he can wait a couple rounds or something – and get an Ozuna then. And like last year I was big on right. Cola Man. We're gonna talk about some guys that you can get later. Just those couple rounds from a Chapman to an Ozuna can be tremendous. And you say, like, if people don't really understand the advanced statistics a lot, that's fine. But go look at go look it up on Fangrass, they have the definitions. Because ERA is three three eight last year, and you said his FIP is one seven four. That is a yeah. gigantic, gigantic gap on what reality should be.
2: Yeah, <laughs> those, those numbers those numbers are going to meet somewhere in the middle and hopefully exactly it's a good one and and here's one for you so if you're if you're not an advanced that guy he had 39 saves last year 26 of them were clean
1: yeah, okay. that's very very unreal these days
2: and and eight of them he struck out the side that's that's pretty good
1: well and you know for a guy that had a rough year like i have his, his baseball reference page up right here so he had the 3.38 RA last year. His previous two years, 2.58, 2.68. Take that all day long. Give us that. Uh, like you said, last year he only had nine walks. He had 14 and 16 the previous two years while he increased his yeah. strikeouts each year. Like yeah. everything you're saying, I never would have looked into him until <laughs> you brought him up. Like these numbers. That's why I love the community. We're in. We can all talk to each other and figure this stuff out. But this is ridiculous. What he can do, a whip of never above one. People need to really. People understand how good that is now. Just look up what the definition of whip is and what that means to a pitcher. That is ridiculous.
2: And, and that um, helps your team. So if you've got yeah. if you've got two good pitchers at the top and you got Osuna as your top closer, you're really helping your ratios out. Um, and that lets you take a chance on somebody later in the draft if you want to for like strikeouts um, and things of that nature. So it, those those things blow your mind. So. It, and there's another Helium guy I'll talk to you later if we talk starting pitchers a little more because I was doing research on a couple of pitchers for their stuff on Rotographs and, and the similar – I'm going to tweet it out tomorrow maybe. This will be the teaser moment, but it, it blew my mind. I'm like, if these guys are so similar, I'm not paying the price on them.
1: We will definitely get to him later. I just wrote a, a <laughs> note down. We will talk about him. <laughs> um, let's get into – We're gonna. I was looking at your closer charts, and I didn't want to go over every – possible situation like the close close ones because well closers change so often and we haven't even hit spring training yet so all heck could break loose mm-hmm. but there were some very interesting ones because on your pages you highlight the ones in green to you know take a stab at and maybe roll the dice on down the line and let's talk about a couple of them we'll start in Arizona um, they picked up a reliever out of Japan that many know about Yoshihisa Hirano I probably butchered that but um, really interesting stuff that he has why should we or what are we looking at with him
2: uh the words okay so we have no idea what this guy is going to do spring training is going to be monstrous towards figuring him out um and and from having to track these closers so hard for the folks that are going to be chasing saves and, and are doing drafts later in the spring what you're looking for is the guy that's working the fifth inning so that's usually the last inning. The starters are in the closer comes in, gets his inning. He goes off into the sunset. And then the guys that are wearing number 79 are coming out to roll through the mound. So, um, but, but here's the thing. The, the beat writers keep saying that the quotes from the front office are, you know, he's someone we're taking a look at and and teams kind of give you the hints. So I love Archie Bradley. I, I sounded the Archie Bradley drum all last year, I tweeted pictures of him looking like UConn Jack. I think he's a cool guy. He's arbitration eligible this year, and I think Arizona, Ooh, as we all points. know, is trying to good save point. a lot of money. You know, they can't shed that Green Key contract. They're not looking to pay people. That's why they haven't signed J.D. Martinez. They don't have that money available. You think they're going to go let Archie Bradley get 35 saves and have to pay him? Pay him top that dollar? Is, Absolutely that's not. A great point. They're going to bury him just like the Yankees did to Dylan Batonsas. They're not going to give him that money. So, you know, Bradley might get disgruntled this year, but I think he's a pretty good team guy. So I don't think that'll be an issue, but I think there's going to have to, I think um, our import would have to flop. I think Boxberger would have to flop and then it would have to be Archie Bradley. I think they're going to, they keep adding to that bullpen with all of these, Weird people. I mean, didn't they just sign Neftali Feliz for God's sakes? Yes. Just, yeah, that was ridiculous. They're they're throwing anything at the fit at the wall to see if it'll stick, just to make sure that they don't have to pay Archie Bradley. And and it stinks because I again I took Archie in my in my first back draft and every the draft room's oh that's a great pick and then I started thinking about it. I'm like you know what I don't know if they're gonna do it I don't know if they'll let him do it they might let him get like a two inning save every now and again if they don't want to turn it over and he's he's grooving. But uh, that, that's the only thing that makes me nervous. I like Archie Bradley the best in that bullpen, but I hate his situation the most.
1: Yeah, and uh, that makes a ton of sense because, yeah, he is their best piece. And Vox good. He had his moments in Tampa Bay, regressed a little. But closer-wise, Bradley should have the best stuff in that bullpen. There's no reason why he shouldn't be closing. I thought he should have closed last year when Rodney had his issues, but Rodney figured it out enough. But um, the the, the – Part you mentioned about the arbitration is very, very well said because I hated when the Yankees did the Potansis and they're going to do it mm-hmm. to him until he's gone. He's leaving. This is one way to get rid of a player, basically. Oh yeah. But um, yeah, but, yeah I, that's a good point. This is why I brought up the three ones I thought were in the stickiest team situations. Basically, like <laughs> the next one I want to mention is the Miami Marlins. You know, they brought Ziegler in. But you have highlighted Drew Streckenrider, who honestly, I (laughs) love baseball, and I've never heard of this guy in my life, which I have a feeling when we look at the Marlins 40-man roster, a lot of the time we're not going to know two-thirds of them. But um, Drew Streckenrider, what can you tell us about him? Because this bullpen, I could see seven different guys closing by the end of the year. Oh, yeah, this bullpen could be a hot mess.
2: Um, Here's what I like about Streckenrider. He came up in the second half, and he was throwing hard. Um, He doesn't have the... Uh, Twitter acclaim. A lot of people are on team Barraclaw, but um, they have similar warts as far as walking too many people. Um, I think Stuck and has a little cleaner bill of health, and I think he was able to rein in the control, especially in the second half around down the stretch. He was starting to cut the walks down. Um, he had a he had a couple of flameouts, but I think he's a high octane arm that could play in the ninth inning. And this this has as much to do with me not trusting Barraclaw And I just don't think you know if if they get anything out of Ziegler, they're going to deal him at the trade deadline. So if if you've got Steckenrider, it might take till the second half. But even still, then you're getting 12 cheap saves. So those guys, they they make their they they do well for you in you know round like 45 of an FPC draft, and people are like, why the hell is this guy taking Steckenrider? Well, that's why, because I'm hoping for 12 saves. Uh, from July on when they finally let Ziegler go to a contender and Baraclaw is probably flamed out again.
1: And one thing I'll mention before we go to our last guy is what makes this, these charts really good. And especially these, these fab speculative ones, oh, not all leagues, but there are a good amount of leagues starting to go to saves and holds leagues. Mm-hmm. And that makes these guys tremendous in my opinion. Plus these are like strikeout guys. So your, your ratios and everything, um, with as, as messy as the, the closer situations are around baseball outside of the top ones we kind of flirted about earlier, sometimes it's better to take guys like this that you know, they might not get you the saves, but they're going to help you in every other category. So definitely well, He's, he's a little bit by. of a,
2: he, he could be a little bit of a whip, whip wrist, but definitely strikeout guy. So, you know, uh, he'd be like a poor man's Tommy Conley. That's, that's where he's kind of at in his stage of his career. But if he can take that next step, and get the control down. Conley last year cut his cut his walk rate, and we saw what happened with the with the ninety two strikeout uh, strikeout spike. So, this this is a guy that's on the precipice. I'm just hoping he can take that step, but it, that he's a speculative gamble that I'm willing to that will definitely willing to look at.
1: All right, let's go to the third one here. The Chicago White Sox they're apparently going to, to town with Joaquin Sori at the moment. We know how that's going to go. That's another just like tomorrow. <laughs> defeat if he does well. He'll be traded. He's not going to be there. Like, literally, they're flipping that the second they can. And Luis Avalon is not the next best option. So talk to us about Thiago Vieira.
2: All right. So he's on a similar career track to uh, another uh, Mariner named Edwin Diaz. He was a – and a lot of these closers start out as starting pitchers in the minors, but they can't get a third pitch. Um, so Vieira is another guy, high octane arm. He can hit triple digits on the gun, which is always nice. Cause the, you know, makes us fancy guys swoon. Um, same thing. If he can rein into control, he struggled with his walks when he came up a little bit, but he did adjust as the season was going on. He's a live arm. And if we can get that second pitch and we see that spike, uh, strikeout rate spike, I can't, I keep stumbling on that tonight. It might be cause it's <laughs> one in the morning here, but anyways, um, <laughs> If he can take that next step, he's another person in the second half. I could definitely see taking over that bullpen and, and not giving it away. Now they do have some other pieces hidden away out there, and it all some of it's that's going to depend on health. But I think Vieira is definitely someone I'm going to be tracking in spring and see how he does in his uh, in his innings in the setup role and see if he's really if he really adapts to that role and commits to it. Uh, I think he can definitely take over that mound.
1: I like that Edwin Diaz comp because you know he had a rocky year last year, but his stuff is phenomenal. So uh, Edwin could be one of those bounce back candidates, really in my opinion. That could mm-hmm. we could we could see having a good splash this year. Um, before yep. we move on from relievers, because pretty much every team's got a question mark for the most part. Um, are there any other guys or situations that intrigue you that you're really keeping a close eye on this uh, spring? Uh,
2: yes, I want to see how. Uh, how the Braves use A.J. Minter uh, this spring. You know, they, he was pitching like every third day when he first came up and they were really being delicate with him. Um, I think this is an arm that's definitely could be the best one in the Braves bullpen. Um, he's another guy that I've been taking later in, uh, in mock drafts and somebody I would definitely be looking at in the NFBC. I don't trust Orodes Vizcaino at all. Um, he melts down too much. He puts too many. He puts way too much traffic on base. He's a whip killer at times. Um, he'll get you five like great saves, and then he'll blow five in a row. He's so streaky and up and down. Uh, as the Braves go through this process, I could see Minter ascending to the top of that uh, of that bullpen uh, at by uh, midseason, if not sooner. Um, it'll be interesting to see. And and you know who the hell. Is anyone going to draft an angel closer this year? I mean,
1: <laughs> Mike. Socha, <laughs> who, is he? who is the angels closer this year? <laughs>
2: Mike Sosha is the source of more gray hair for me through the season than any manager I can think of. And, and you know what? He might be ahead of the time because he just puts in whoever he thinks is hot. But for me to try and say who the closer for the angels is, even on a day to day basis, much less week to week, oh my lord, he's a killer.
1: Yeah, everyone's claiming Blake Parker, but really. I, to me, he's not the best option there, but I'm not the manager, so I don't get that decision. It's just, <laughs> yeah, social. I, mean, I can go on a rant about social for a while. As good as he's done, for the fact he's kept his job this long is amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Like we're talking over a decade, over a. Like, he's he's approaching two decades pretty soon. <laughs> it, it's 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 crazy in this day and age. Um, before we do the ADP talk who's the helium starting pitcher
2: ah okay so as i'm doing my thing for rotographs uh, they gave me 45 guys and some of them i mean three of the guys are playing in asia right now so that kind of tells you where the part of the barrel i was getting my names from but i got a couple (laughs) i got a couple of nice ones so and today i don't know why and, and it's weird how things happen so I was working. I was trying to get like five done a day because they gave me 45 and they're due tomorrow. I've got 41 out of 45 done. I only got four left and I've got Tommy Conley preps. So that's why I was able to pull that 92 strikeout stat right off the top of my head because I was researching them uh, before I left school today. Um, so one of them is on your beloved angels. And one of them is on the Cardinals. They had almost identical swinging strike percentages uh, their ERAs were almost in line. Uh, the the player on the Angels had a much higher FIP. Um, they both tend to be fly ball pitchers, and one will cost you probably a sixth round pick or higher right now, and one probably won't get drafted, maybe at all.
1: Uh, so the Angels guy won't get drafted at all.
2: The Angels <laughs> guy was a cash transaction from Baltimore. This
1: guy's a. Like- why am I joning out on this? I have no he, idea.
2: he won ten games last year Parker Bridwell
1: oh wow
2: when his peripheral stats are almost identical to Luke Weaver really really really
1: wow. <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll everyone's be... drooling everyone's drooling over Luke Weaver.
2: I know. I'm gonna tweet that out tomorrow, just so you you can see it, because you're gonna be like, "What?" I'll make the little chart like I did with uh, with uh, Osuna and Kimbrel, because, and and I might just put like player A, player B, so you'll know what's happening. And people are gonna be like, "Well, why would I want this guy?" You know, I'm not gonna say that Luke Weaver can't do well this year, but you know what? I'm not paying to find out.
1: No, not where he's going. You can get so many other guys where he's going, like. Let me see where I got the page up here, because Parker Bridwell, as you know, troublesome as he could be, if his numbers are what well, Luke, because Luke Weaver, we got to remember he did get beat up a bit. Yeah, Luke Weaver's going 110. You got Luis Castillo at 107, Tanaka 105, Kyle Hendricks, right? Rich Hill, John Lester, Strowman, David Price. I'd take a gamble on almost all of them over Luke Weaver. Yep. Yeah, I, I would. I'd, I'd
2: be on. Yeah, I'm. I'm in that range. I'm on. I, I like Hendricks as a bounce back. I'm on Team Tanaka there. Um, yeah, I. That's and and I would much rather have the upside of Castillo's strikeouts uh, than the possible downside of Weaver's whip. So again, flyball pitchers can have trouble. I mean, they're going to get rough patches. Oh, yeah. um, so. I think we need, and I did put that in my fan graph thing, so I'm probably gonna get some. I'm probably gonna get some pushback when people are in there reading it, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens.
1: No, that's uh, that's the beauty of finding that kind of stuff out, because I never would even have compared the two, but hey, numbers don't lie. There's the, <laughs> they do have some truth to them. Um, you mentioned Tanaka real quick. I'm gonna ask you about him because this is a, this guy is like my my kryptonite. I, I just I, – I can't I, – I was always off Tanaka. I finally jumped on him last year. We all know how that ended up. I want to jump on him again this year, but I'm just so hesitant. The whole buyer's remorse we've been talking about. I just feel like the way he pitched in the second half is what we're going to get this year. What are you thinking?
2: It's all about health. Uh, I, I, the, Yankees, the Yankees rotation right now is kind of maddening because I love, I love Jordan Montgomery. Mm-hmm. As far as upside, where he's going in drafts, because some of his numbers underneath are actually really good. Um, and, and I remember Bernie Sickles from FanRag last year loved Jordan Montgomery. He, he gave him uh, Pettit comps. So um, if, I, I think that Yankee rotations to be so fluid. I mean, and, and you know what? I, that's why I was kind of hoping they'd get Otani so they would be forced to go to the six man, because I think that would help Tanaka so much, because he did so much better with that extra day of rest. So, and, and I grew up a Yankee fan. So Tanaka can be maddening, but then, but then the next day he can almost throw a no hitter and he did that right at the end of the season. So uh, that's a tough one, you, you know, and again, some of it's going to depend on your construction like we talked about earlier. So if I have, uh, if I go Kluber and I go sale at the turn, I'm probably going Castillo there because I'm looking for yes. the upside. I've got the safety so I'm gonna try for the home run right there. If Definitely. I'm playing, if I'm playing it, I need the safe guy. I'm going Hendricks because he gives me ratio control. He gives me a solid amount of strikeouts, and I know there's win potential with the Cubs. Uh, Tanaka's like the the Forrest Gump. there. He's, he's the box of chocolates. You just don't know what you're gonna get. But yeah. you know, he he, I think he's okay right there. I wouldn't pay higher than that. So it, it it's all relevant.
1: Yeah, very true. So let's do some ADP debates, kind of uh, on some of the players we've we've talked about, or some other relieving options. Because why not? Um, Felipe Rivero, he got his extension from the Pirates. Good young arm last year. Um, he's going about 94th overall in the ADPs on the NFBC right now. Ken Giles going right after him, about 97. Uh, you got a, a Giles who's on, you know, the defending World Series champion. The Rivero on the Pirates. You don't even know. What you're gonna get out of them? Where would you go on those two? Uh,
2: I would probably go with Rivero. I'm just scared of the way Giles ended the year last year. I don't want to say it was Brad Lidge-ish, but um, they didn't trust him down the stretch. Why you think McCullers was closing games for three innings?
1: True. Very, very true. Uh, Yeah, his his World Series tenure was not good at all, to say the least. And I've been Uh, a Giles guy. It kills me to say that, but I'd I'd go
2: Rivero just because I know Rivero's role is safe. And speaking of, you want a guy that's way off the radar? If James Hoyt doesn't make that Astros bullpen, which is stocked, watch where he goes. Because I love that kid's. That kid's got – he's not a kid. I think he's like 28, but he doesn't have a place in that bullpen, and he might end up having to get traded. Um, Whatever team, like if the White Sox or some other team is paying attention and they can grab him, that he's a very intriguing arm.
1: That's a good call because, yeah, Joe Smith, Hector Rondon, Davinsky, and others are all going to be taking up the time there. So mm-hmm. very good point there. Another closer question here, and this one's interesting. Yeah. Wade Davis, who had a rocky kind of postseason as well, goes to Colorado, obviously not the best place to pitch. Uh, he's going 103 overall. Cody Allen's going about 104 right behind him. Cody Allen pretty darn good lately. Um, one pick apart here is, Wade. basically, is Wade Davis worth this pick in Colorado?
2: I want to think so, but I'm not positive. I would probably pass on both of them right there, not going to lie to you. I, I don't mind Cody Allen. And last year, he was at a much lower price, so I was willing to pay it. Uh, this year, I'm not so sure.
1: Yeah, that's fair and enough. Speaking
2: uh... finish, uh, another guy, I like Nick Goody in that bullpen. Cleveland
1: he's really talented very mm-hmm. talented young arm um, yeah th- there's a lot of closers going early this might just be more because NFBC they're taking them earlier for some stability once fantasy pros kind of gets their conglomerate ADPs out here pretty soon it'll probably get some better of mm-hmm. where things are where things are going um, last closers one I have for you here this is this was my sleeper darling last year and he was tremendous now he's not a sleeper anymore Alex Colomay, for the Tampa Bay Rays for now with the Tampa Bay Rays. He's going 116, and he got the, the recently extended Brad Hand from San Diego going 117. Hand's really, really good, no doubt about it. Cola may show how good he can be. Um, do you prefer? Who do you prefer out of the two?
2: Um, I think they're almost a push. Um, I might go Hand just for the extra strikeouts, but I'd rather have either one of those two than the two guys you just asked me before that.
1: I completely agree with you because I feel like if you're not getting one of those top ones we mentioned, it's almost time to drop down and just take a couple later type things. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the second base position. We talked about Ozzy Albie's earlier. Uh, I mentioned he's going about 148 overall. Right next to him as a second baseman, I really, really like if they give him the playing time, which is questionable. Being at Ian Happ at 141, so about seven picks sooner. Would you rather roll the dice on Hap or stick with Albies?
2: Uh, I'll stick with my Albies guy just because I'm looking for the stolen bases. I can probably find the power elsewhere. But I do think Ian Hap's a little overlooked by uh, many people. Um, I think I actually get to do a profile for him coming up soon for uh, Fantasy Alarm. So I'll definitely look forward into digging deeper into him. But, um, yeah, I think he was an overlooked commodity last year. Just he's got to make sure he's got a path to it, bats.
1: That's my biggest concern because I was can't remember who was tweeting about it. They had like a three or four tweet thread about it. He was the Cubs' best def- statistically defensive outfielder on their team, let alone the way he swung the bat, and he still couldn't get regular at-bats. Um, so you have Albies at 149. You already mentioned Kinsler, who I do love, at 193. Would you rather have Albies at like 150 or Jonathan VR at 190 if you're looking for steals?
2: I'm gonna, I'm sticking to my guns here, you know what? Because I yeah. think VR could be in store for a bounce back, but he's not going to hit at the top of the order. So that takes True. away counting stats. So that's less runs, and VR just doesn't have – I don't think he has the safety in batting – not that Albies is safe in batting average. But like I said, I'm planning on 275 for Albies. I'm not going crazy like some other people. Um, but I, I think uh, we saw VR's peak and we saw his valley. So he's going to end up somewhere in between but I I would rather have the safety of Albies what I said earlier, than VR's in between.
1: No, that's very, very fair. Okay, the last one I have for you, uh, one of your recent, right, as we didn't talk about, is Carlos Santana. Going over to Philadelphia, great ballpark to hit, and one of the most consistent hitters in baseball when it comes to average home runs, the works. He just continually puts up almost the same baseball card every year when he's at the Indians. Mm -hmm. Heads to Philadelphia, the bandbox of Citizen Bank. He's going 174 and going 176 is Josh Bell of Pittsburgh, who more and more people, he's, he's not helium, but he is rising up a lot of people's boards of late. I personally rather have Carlos Santana curious to your thoughts on the two.
2: Uh, me too. Now, if you ask my, my former compadre at fan Ray, Jim Finch, he was a, he was the, the leader of the Josh Bell bandwagon. And I, I do like Bell's ability to get on base and he does have uh, late blooming power. But I really think Santana hitting third, I'm hoping he hits third in that lineup. Um, I think you can see a return to near-30 home run production that he did just one year prior uh, to the last one. And, uh, I you know, again, yeah, he's going to hit 257. I think he's done it the last two years in a row. But that's okay. So if Mm -hmm. if I'm drafting at this point in the thing, but I'm looking at a boost in RBI by hitting third, and I still think that Philly's lineup is, is, you know – as bad as the Phillies might end up being this year, they're going to score runs.
1: All right. One more guy, since I'm staring at him right here, he's going two first baseman's ahead of Santana. What's your opinion on last year's Mr. Helium Greg Bird?
2: I think you're paying the Yankee tax. You know, we make the joke in in DFS about the Rockies tax when they're at home. Um, I think you're paying the Yankee tax because – Will he hit left-handers? Is he going to be a platoon? You know, yeah, you know, he could hit 25 runs as a platoon player. But, again, counting stats, I think I would rather have Carlos's counting stats because I'm going to get more runs, more RBIs, at probably the same batting average.
1: No doubt about it. Well, Greg, I appreciate it. That was really, really good stuff. Got a lot covered there, and um, we'll definitely do it again sometime and see how things hash out over the spring with your closers list and all that other good stuff. Yeah. And- <laughs> I look forward to seeing your, your work coming up for Fantasy Alarm, Rotographs, all that good stuff. But uh, thanks for joining me, man. Appreciate it.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, you're doing great work. Keep plugging away. I love reading your stuff as well. So uh, yeah, anytime, and I'll I'll pop that thing tomorrow so you can have a giggle.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because I'm more looking forward to the responses to that. <laughs> it's gonna be great. <laughs> but everybody, yeah, right. go check them out on Twitter at. G Jewett nine and just follow his stuff. Great stuff. So thanks for joining me, man. All right. Thank you. Everybody. This is Bench with Bubba episode 66. We'll catch you guys next time.